Hey everybody, this is Jessica Manley here from the National Young Farmers Coalition. Today we're bringing you episode number four of our six-week Washington Young Farmers Coalition takeover, Farm Resilience and COVID-19 in Washington State, which explores food access, social justice, mental health, and farming through one of the toughest seasons yet. Today's show is an interview with farmers Miles Griffin and Amanda Doty, and a deep dive into the mental health challenges farmers face in even the best seasons. If you want to support our Washington chapter and our 45 other chapters across the U.S., please become a member of the National Young Farmers Coalition today at youngfarmers.org join. And you can sign up for our advocacy network by texting FARMERS to 40649. Just a note, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the National Young Farmers Coalition. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me once again for another episode in our podcast series, Farm Resilience and COVID-19 in Washington State. My name is Elizabeth, and I am a farmer in the foothills of the North Cascades Mountains. And the conversation that you're about to hear is with Miles Griffin and Amanda Dowdy, who live on 20 acres in Twisp, Washington. Amanda is a licensed therapist who works off the farm full-time. And Miles is the owner and operator and produces turkeys, organic garlic, and diversified veggies. Miles and Amanda find deep interest in the intersection of their professions and especially the contrast between the risk factors that farmers face and the inherent therapeutic benefits of their practices. And that's what we're going to talk about in our following conversation. So in this episode, we explicitly discuss loneliness, isolation, dissociation, and depression. We will also hear from Chandler Briggs of Hayshaker Farm, who introduces us to Justin McLean. Justin was a farmer and an active member of the Washington Young Farmers Coalition and died by suicide. His death was a wake-up call for our chapter and the community, and he continues to impact the work, and his contribution inspired us to center care as one of our foundational values. We understand that this conversation can be very triggering, and we want to make sure that you all take care of yourselves and your needs before you listen, as you listen, and as you process this conversation. There are resources out there, and many of them are in our show notes. And so we encourage you to follow up. Thank you for listening. And we are rolling. How fun. All right. All right. Let's do this. Bacon podcast. <laughs> um, so why don't you two start just by introducing yourself? Um, and your project in any way that you would to a large group of people. So my name is Miles Griffin. Um, I am fortunate enough to farm full time for now, other than um, some kind of landscaping and firewising in the neighborhood. Um, and yeah, I, I primarily grow garlic turkeys, um, but we also do diversified vegetables and raise some pasture for our turkeys um, as well. Um, and I'm really grateful to be here. Thanks for having us. 
Um, my name is Amanda Doty, um, and I am a full-time licensed mental health counselor. I work primarily with children um, in a community about 30 minutes from home. We live in Twist. And, um, yeah, on the weekends and when I have the extra energy, I love to, um, to chip in on the farm. I mostly, um, take care of the kitchen garden because I really enjoy that. Um, and I really enjoy when the turkeys are chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miles is a full-time, full-time farmer around here. And then I chip in when I can. Sounds like you do a lot. And I always forget that y'all have turkeys, which I just love. I think they're so fun. <laughs> they're, the, <laughs> they yeah. so fun. they're yeah. the best. They're little dinosaurs, we call yeah, them. Yeah, they totally, you can just be like, yes, I understand birds, dinosaurs, that's a thing. When you look at a turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things that, Miles, you and I have talked about just kind of as friends has been um, around loneliness and how sometimes, especially for those of us who are working in a more rural space, that loneliness and isolation can really um, can really be a real experience for farmers. So maybe, Miles, you can talk about your experience and then Amanda, you can kind of jump in and add any anything that might be relevant from your from your professional mental health perspective. Yeah. So, you know, just to give the overarching pieces I, and why it's important to focus on loneliness in ag is um, there's a lot of research coming out that loneliness has detrimental physiological effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a relatively new farm, we're three years old. This this will be our fourth season. Um, we have yet to figure out um, scale that would allow us to employ people. And that's ultimately the goal, um, which would provide some social pieces moving forward on farm, um, you know, professionally social pieces. But I, um, it's something I've been focused on the last year because last season was the first season that I really felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that loneliness, you know, is a term that people shy away from quickly because mm-hmm. it has a negative connotation. Um, but I can't think of a better term to describe it. Um, and, and to get more in depth into that term, you know, I not only crave that social interaction, but I also crave a second opinion, a third opinion and fourth Mm -hmm. and fifth and Mm -hmm. beyond. Um, one of the ways that I describe it to people in a nutshell is everything uh, from help with heavy lifting to a second set of eyeballs on a project. And one of the examples that I like to give is, and because it's so simple, is um, if, if you're packing a truck full of coolers, if you turn that one that one way that you might be able to fit one more at the end. And mm-hmm. and I just simply am, un- am unable to see it as one individual. Um, 
And that same concept can be kind of stretched beyond packing a truck bed full of coolers. Yeah, that loneliness piece is interesting throughout my workday. We are fortunate to have a robust social community here rurally um, that we can deeply relate to. And uh, um, especially in a rural setting, being relatively progressive individuals, we um, are really appreciative of of that community. Mm-hmm. And we live in a really neat community here in the Mahal Valley of Washington. Uh, and we um, are really appreciative for that. However, during my workday, I crave more social interaction. Mm-hmm. I crave outside opinions. And I, again, think that our farm and and our neighborhood here, which is open to um, community-based farming, would be stronger with more mm-hmm. eyes on deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and just to kind of jump in, um, I mean, we, it's not like a professional opinion that um, we're communal beings as humans. Like we, we crave social interaction. We thrive around other people. We feed off the energies of other humans and individuals. And then we also are all seeing the world through our own experiential lens. Mm -hmm. And so anytime that, um, that we're just operating in a silo, um, is absolutely no criticism of Miles. It's a, it's just the reality of being a one man woman show mm-hmm. is that um, that you miss things um, in the sense of being able to see things from different perspectives and bounce ideas off of people. And then, of course, isolation is one of the main symptoms of depression. As I was listening to Miles talk, it's uh, I I don't have like a f- quite a fully formulated thought. I think, um, yeah, it's causing me to think about, um, isolation a little bit differently in terms of like when it is, um, a symptom of depression versus possibly in farming a contributing factor to depression, stress Mm -hmm. or anxiety, just because it's inevitable for a lot of farmers And I think even those who maybe have employees and thinking back to when Miles was an employee on various farms, that there was still a lot of individual work, even Mm -hmm. though you're working for other people, that he was still kind of out operating on his own. Um, as was the, as was the primary farmer. And one thing that I'll add there is that it's interesting in the scale of growth. We, being young, have mm-hmm. yet to figure out how to financially afford a community around our farm. Yeah. If it were to be paid, if it were to be employee-based, um, we have explored ideas of non-paid community-based land stewardship in the form of uh, neighbors, uh, you know, for instance, we have um, a friend with tomatoes and flowers planted here on the property. And then we have another friend who's um, endeavoring on a a worm compost project here on our land, which we've invited in 
based on that community approach because we think it's important. Um, but it is, it's, it's that interesting time of scale growth and how to involve people here financially. Yeah. 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 I think that's so, that's something that the, the dots really hadn't been connected for me about like the kind of like what's going on at the structural level within the food system where many young farmers across the nation struggle to be able to afford to pay employees. And like that is a, that has a direct, not only is it a stressor and can cause anxiety, but it also like contributes to loneliness. And it's, you know, that idea of, you know, the statistics around like farmers having multiple jobs you know, to be able to afford to farm. It's like that is that is directly connected to mental health. And I like hadn't put the two and two together until this conversation. Yeah. And I I think too, I just um what feels really relevant for our individual relationship and may not be super applicable is like to everyone necessarily, but for the way that our professions um, like complement or, Mm -hmm. or do not complement each other in some ways is that like, uh, we have to work really hard around like miles can go a whole day without speaking to anybody else. Whereas my days are filled with, um, you know, I, sometimes like envy um Mm -hmm. the the other side of the pendulum swing right Mm -hmm. that I I'm talking to people and listening to people all day back to back and I come home and Miles hasn't talked to anybody all day and he's really excited to talk (laughs) to me totally and I'm really excited to not talk to anybody (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and so I think that's probably um maybe a little bit unique to our specific professions but but felt relevant to the question as well so yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i often um i've recently gotten better at this in like kind of informed consent as a therapist and mm-hmm. that um when clients enroll in therapy i've i've learned that um, and just the parallel of growth that um, that it's it seems ethical to inform people that um, the work that they will do if they're committed to therapy and addressing mental health issues um, will be very messy, will be very challenging, will not necessarily be supported or accepted from those that are used to a different version of these people and, um, and that we're all kind of at large as a, I mean, as a country, but also as a planet right now, like experiencing all kinds of opportunities for growth and it's, Mm. um, bringing out the best and the worst and everything in between. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Miles, I would love to hear what you have to say about, especially about being, you know, and I'll, I'll say this with so much love as I know you to be a feeler of feelings. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm wondering how, how, how is that for you as a cisgendered white man in a, in, in community with other men? Yeah. Um, I appreciate that introduction because that would be where I, I would start is I am a cisgendered white male from a privileged family, um, who was deeply loving and has supported me um, and has worked through supporting me Mm -hmm. in this profession. Um, And that is my starting point. I wonder how it would be and would have been different for me um, if I wasn't exactly that. because I have been deeply supported by my community, which is mostly white, um, agriculturally based and kind of in a traditional sense, pretty textbook. Mm. Um, it is, it is a feeling deprived culture. Yeah. Uh, um, it is, uh, put your head Mm -hmm. down despite the beautiful views that we have, um, put your head down and get to work. And Mm -hmm. I have done that. I've adhered to that culture to a great extent Mm -hmm. and maybe not to the betterment of my mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I speak exclusively from that point of privilege when I say that, um, I have been afforded opportunities by our community to be able to purchase land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll also be fully honest about the fact that we had family help to purchase a property this winter. And, um, and that is the ultimate privilege um, to be a farmer with secure land access with secure water access that we, uh, we sought out specifics like water access, et cetera. And I'm going to pass off to Amanda here. Well, I just, I, my, my therapist self (laughs) is, I think that this, this like question and conversation is, um, if I can like share on miles a little bit in that, I think, Elizabeth, you were talking about like your interaction with Miles off the farm as like a very in touch with his emotions, like very socially conscious. And like, I'm so lucky to have like such a feminist husband and all of those good things. Um, And that I think that when it comes to the farm, there's quite the parallel process of what we were speaking to a moment ago that like often there's like a bit of dissociation from Mm. the feelings when it comes to farming. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where Miles is really like practical side out. Um, And I just was smiling, noticing that like, in the moment, which is a totally therapisty thing to call out, but that 
um, that a lot of times I, I wonder if that is maybe a lot of what you're speaking to with like the, the kind of traditional gruff, um, picture of a white male farmer that might be operating in that dissociated state fight flight freeze like project oriented like we'll get to the feelings when the sun goes down sort of way we get to them you know maybe after a few beers yeah yeah totally I never thought about it like that I I too dissociate in order to get things done yeah Yeah. and we have to in a way I think that's like a big piece of talking about mental health is that like the foundation of all mental health, like pathology is, is based in like really protective natural phenomenon that occur in our amazing bodies and nervous systems and brains and all of that, um, really complex stuff is that anxiety is ultimately protective and being able to compartmentalize and regulate emotions is also really protective. Like it's not, it would be really serious consequences if, if every farmer felt the need to sit down and to stay in bed (laughs) all day when things got hard in June, because then there wouldn't, any food Food, no food Uh, (laughs) no food um so I think that's what fascinates me about the relationship with farming and mental health is like how to maintain that healthy balance of like what is healthy avoidance and then Mm -hmm. how do we let ourselves acknowledge the stress anxiety loneliness depression in a way that we also feel like we can pack it back up um and also at what point do do we acknowledge that this is no longer a normal phenomenon yeah. and then reach out for help? Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think one thing to mention there that I've been really focused on this spring is uh, North American agriculture is so based in output. Mm-hmm. And something I have learned from Leah Pinneman um, this spring is um, – the ceremony involved in agriculture and how she tells a story about, um, about how she is, um, somewhere international and, 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 and they're talking about seeding things in the spring. And, and there's a story about, um, wait, so your seating doesn't follow, isn't followed up by song and ceremony. <laughs> and no wonder your nation is sick. <laughs> and, I, and I think that for me, that is something I've been trying to integrate this spring yeah. is more gratitude, more yes. ceremony yeah. around gratitude, <laughs> more ceremony around productiveness, around mm-hmm. the process mm-hmm. to bring that sense of fulfillment both personally and for my customers and to my food that I am producing to give credit to the food that we are producing here as opposed to give credit to the farmer 
and the output and right. the yield. Yeah, totally. Um, is something that has brought a lot of uh, personal well-being for my spring frantic nature. Yeah, I this completely kind of- relate to all of that. I think it's so interesting that we're having this conversation within the context of mental health, because what I think I'm hearing is that that focus on yield, that focus on the individual, the focus on the output is is not healthy. No, by any means, it's totally opposite of all of the things that that we know bring happiness and peace and support. And I also, when I was hearing you talk, I just, from a mental health standpoint, think about just the large, obviously big umbrella term of just boundaries, like um, boundaries of the land, boundaries of the farmer, boundaries of um, just individuals and how uh, lack thereof really contributes to um, to all kinds of mental health issues, um, in all of us. Right. And there's nothing like spring and June and July (laughs) to push your personal boundaries as a farmer. There's nothing like it. (laughs) I'm learning so much because, you know, taking on this project has been such an exercise in like, where are my boundaries? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> you yeah. Know? And like, yeah, I, I still Who don't. What am I doing it for? Yeah. Sorry yeah. For no, no, that's right. And it's just like, I don't actually know what I'm supposed to be learning about boundaries this year, but definitely something. There's definitely yeah. something to learn. Yeah. I love this. We're so I'm part of a three person co-op. And with my partner, Reed, and my um, lifelong platonic partner, Kelly. And we, I heard it somewhere, I can't remember, but that resentment is born in the space where your boundary should have been. Uh-huh. Isn't that a great tool? Oh. So whenever yeah. I feel like, start to feel like really cranky or really like, frustrated I'm just like hmm there's a boundary here that I didn't create that if I had created it I wouldn't be feeling this frustration or resentment well I I also want to maybe like alter that a little bit that like resentment and frustration are super different and I totally agree with you about um the like that is where resentment is built but I also have been talking a lot with people in the helping profession this week and just like people who are really exhausted Mm. as everybody seems to be right now and that many times when you feel angry after setting boundaries like if you you know your own boundaries and then you set them with other people that that anger is can actually be a sign that you're doing things correctly mm. and setting your boundaries as well. So resentment being like kind of four steps up from like anger and frustration, 
but that if I'm making progress and setting my boundaries, um, then in relationships, like if one person changes, the other somebody else has to adapt. So if I set a new boundary with Miles, he might he might not like just right off the bat be like, oh, great, excellent, good boundaries, honey, because he's also having his own experience, like being right. used to me not having that boundary. Right. And so, and I'm just using Miles as an example because he's a safe person and I don't have, like, this is not a common theme or anything, but, mm-hmm. like, if I set a boundary and and it's, like, not immediately, like, respected and praised, even though I know it's good for me, then I might be angry and that might actually be a good sign that I'm doing a good job of setting my boundaries. Um, but I also think like with all the COVID-19 pandemic stuff that there's been a collective anxiety and Mm. for, for me personally, kind of like, what do I know to be, real and permanent and meaningful because life as we knew it just changed in every facet in the blink of an eye. Um, And so I do think we're having this conversation at a really interesting time because boundaries are based in like self awareness and self trust. And when like the foundation on which everything is built kind of crumbles around you, then you, you have kind of like what you're saying, like, what do we, what are my boundaries? What is it that I know? What, how do I trust myself? And it's just been, um, a roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely feels like so wild every day. Thank you so much for jumping on the phone with me and just diving straight in. (laughs) you know feel free to share any last words with everybody and then for folks who would like to know more about your farm and what y'all are up to it would be great if you could share where they can go yeah so um we are posterity farm farming for the generations beyond ours um and uh, we can be found mostly locally distributed around the Met Howe Valley um, and around Twist, Washington. Uh, we do distribute our garlic statewide, particularly our seed. Um, we distribute to companies who distribute nationwide. Uh, but I, yeah, we, we can be found on Instagram as well at Posterity Farm. And, um, yeah, and, and then uh, it, we are eatforposterity at gmail.com. If you were to ever desire reaching out, please do. Lovely. You two are so lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Liz. And I yeah. just really, as a, as a mental health therapist, I just really appreciate you guys um, looping in this really important topic. Mm-hmm. I think if there's if there's anything I always feel very passionate about, um, it's about reducing the stigma for mental health services mm-hmm. and um, just as we think about all the systems that we have in place that are 
um, that are really not serving people well, um, I also, um, you know, can't help but think about how mental health has been a part of that. Um, and that we, society at large being the we and our ancestors have Mm -hmm. created this, um, this idea that you can visit the doctor and you can take care of your teeth and you can, um, do all these things for your body. And then that, um, that if you reach out for this other really important part of your body, that is your psyche and your nervous system and, Mm. um, your heart and your feelings that that is some sign of weakness. Um, and I just really want to, you know, bring attention to that. And that, as you said, like change and growth is really messy and hard. And that's what makes it actually like the opposite of weak and really brave. And so I just want to add that there are national resources, national suicide hotlines, and really specific to, um, to certain ethnicities and um, gender identity and just, um, yeah, just want to add that there are resources everywhere um, and that if there's any silver lining about COVID-19 that um, there might be much more accessibility for those in rural communities to access a therapist that they don't know because mm-hmm. I, I do yeah. think that that's a really big barrier as yes. a therapist and a client of mental health services in a rural community. Um, conflict of interest is a huge yes. problem because everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So telehealth um, has really, you know, kind of gotten off the ground with yeah. this mm-hmm. and probably is here to stay. Um, oh, and so... Yeah, just want to encourage people if they're listening and having a hard time that there are tons of resources out there. We could talk about it for a long time, but I'm going to let you go because I know y'all have a big, crazy day. And thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you very much for thinking of us. It was really fun. Yeah, and thanks for focusing on this topic and that. It's really, we appreciate it. This is Chandler Briggs with the Washington Young Farmers Coalition. Our friend, fellow farmer, and WayFC organizer, Justin McLean, was born January 14, 1987, and ended his life on his farm on May 11, 2017. Justin was involved at the founding of WayFC, and he was instrumental as an organizer since that time, participating in mixers, conferences, and educational opportunities. We will always remember Justin's ever-present willingness to help and go the extra mile, his attention to detail and excellent craftsmanship, his sharp humor and corny farm jokes, his love of dancing, and his extraordinary kindness and compassion as a dear friend. We were heartbroken and shocked by Justin's death by suicide and surprised to learn the degree of his struggle with mental illness. The sometimes isolated farming lifestyle the daily challenge of making financial ends meet while trying to farm, the stigma around reaching out for help with the emotional or mental health issues. These are some of the issues relevant to our communities. 
Following Justin's passing, we joined a legislative push for the passing of House Bill 2671, which was passed unanimously in the 2018 session and signed by Governor Inslee on March 15th of that year. It set out to provide bilingual mental and behavioral health support to people in agricultural industries and was fully funded with the final budget that year. The task force that was created has released a preliminary report and is already implementing some of the actions with their pilot program. We hope that this work continues to raise awareness and provide support to all farmers and farm workers around the specific challenges of living and working in agriculture as we remember our friend and fellow farmer, Justin McLean. Thank you all. Thank you, Miles, Amanda, Chandler, for your amazing insights and invitations into this important conversation. And we'll see you soon. All right, that's our show for today. We will be back next week with another WayFC interview with farmer Vero Vergara about food access and social justice. Vero is a founding worker owner of Sweet Hollow Farm in Woodenville, Washington. They work at the intersection of autonomous food systems building and community care. To make sure not to miss this and future episodes of the show, please subscribe. And we love reading your reviews and comments in iTunes. If you want to support our Washington chapter and our 45 other farmer-led chapters across the country, and to make sure that young farmers and ranchers, farmers of color, and farm workers are included in farm policy, please become a member today at youngfarmers.org join and join our advocacy network by texting FARMERS to 40649. Stay safe out there, everybody.